Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello, everyone. I'm Scotty Conley, a.k.a. Scotty the Body, and this is the Border Podcast with Scotty the Body. For the last 20 years, I've had some type of role in the skateboarding industry, including my time as a sponsored skater, many years working at Skate Park in Tampa, and my current job at the Border. So, in the midst of this current pandemic, I decided to start this podcast so I can catch up with some old friends I've met along the way, and we can talk about the past and present with highlights in my beloved hometown of Tampa, Florida. So sit back and enjoy. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are back again. It's the Border Podcast. Scotty the Body here. And uh, we're going to get right into it, man, because I'm super excited. This is a dude I respect a ton. I uh, love him from a, man, from a man's perspective, man crush status for sure. Uh, I've worked for, with him for a long time. But before that, he was top-tier professional skateboarder, Habitat Skateboards, uh spent some time a long time ago with element uh the first time i saw him was in the third eye view video um let's bring in from jersey from his attic probably i don't know somewhere quiet in jersey let's bring in mr tim o'connor tim how are you doing sir i'm chilling what up scott larock i am I'm, i've got like a little man cave going here so uh i have a little quiet space finally normally when i have to do any audio recordings i go into my walk-in closet and it uh was you before i kind of set up this room was the only quiet space in my house when my kids were awake but they're all like going to sleep now yeah yeah for sure and uh, yes, I'm in my office as well. And uh, but right now it's actually Lydia's office because she has taken over. Is so it an actual office, or are you just in the bathroom? No, 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 no. There's a bedroom that I that is dedicated to me. It's well, it's my it's my like uh, collection room. Okay. Uh, I keep all the Shaquifa shirts where, in here. All my. It's where you hoard. Yes, yes, yes. It's where you but, fold uh, your hoarding. Well, but there is a desk. So oh, that okay. makes it an office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Write it off. Write it yeah. off. But I yeah. It. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Lydia's in here taking over for the quarantine. She's working from home. And I'm, uh, I got kicked out of my office and I work in the living room. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you got kicked out of the border? No, 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 no. Uh, I mean. Oh, at, at home. At the home office. Yeah, in the home office. I mean, okay. I didn't get kicked <laughs> out of the border. I mean. Maybe they kicked you. I haven't seen you guys in a bit, so. Uh. No, no. Like some of us are going into the office. Some of us stay at home. I, I work at home. I go into the office when, uh, when there's stuff that we need to meet about, and and when there's business up there I need to take care of. Not a good deal. But uh, yeah, it's nice to be home with the doggos and you know, eating lunch at home and all that good stuff. I like eating at home. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the podcast. Yeah, we, we, what episode? What episode number am I? I don't know. I'm not a numbers guy. Mm. You know that you're you're not a numbers guy, even up to like the first ten. Uh, yeah, it's around ten. I quit counting because uh, I decided that nobody's like, "Yo, did you check out episode number nine? They're like, "Yo, did, did 
Did you check out the Tim O'Connor episode? They will, as long as you're consistent. Yeah, they will. Tim O'Connor episode. We've been dropping them once every two weeks and uh, been keeping it pretty consistent. So thank you. Good deal. Uh, for, for joining us. On, it's uh, 10 o'clock on a Thursday night. And, you know. In the year 2000 COVID. 2000 COVID. Oh, my gosh. So you're in Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were you're always a Jersey boy. Like you were born in Jersey, right? Born in New York, but grew up in New Jersey, moved around a bunch, but kept ending up back here. And I'm not really sure why I live here anymore. It kind of sucks. I should have moved long ago. When everybody else moved to California, I thought I was keeping it real or something by staying in New Jersey on the East Coast. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. (laughs) Uh, It sucks. Um, The cold weather is going to be coming soon enough, and I already want out of here. So, yeah, I have no pride in where I'm from. All those people that are like the circumstance of birth and are super proud of where they're from, fuck them. Who gives a shit? I want out of here. I want to be somewhere better. A tropical beach forevermore. Well, I heard Florida's nice. It is. Certain parts. Where you're at, not so much. <laughs> yeah, there are some nice spots, man. You can, you, can make a nice li- you can make a nice life here for yourself. For sure, for sure. Now, people like to shit on Florida, but there's uh, – there's some good spots there for sure. Whatever, I prob- whatever you own in Jersey, you can sell and buy double that here. Dude, everything, everybody's putting their places up for sale around me. And places I thought would never sell are just selling like hotcakes right now. So like around my area, I live close to New York City. Yeah, Everybody yeah. is leaving New York and all the surrounding cities like Jersey City. And, uh, and they're looking to be in the suburbs and stuff. You know, the combo of working remotely and, um, yeah, just wanting to be out of a, an environment where you don't have any, like, a yard, any sort of property or anything like that. So everything's selling around here. So, dude, I should put my house on the market. We'll see. Might, that might be something I do fairly soon. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, you, you Right here, started off with some real estate talk. Nothing more exciting than that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh like you you grew up playing baseball, right? I mean, until I was like tw- 11 or 12, maybe like 12, yeah. All right, yeah, I just like like to always like take it just cuz I mean, we've had so much conversation, so For sure. Yeah, just, we got uh, we've spent got many the- time in a quiet hotel room with Yeah, no- yeah, yeah. so I just yeah. like to try to go through a brief over, overview of like the background information before we get into the. Yeah. I played the shit out of baseball flesh. until I was like 12. Little Timmy pre pubes thought he was going to be a pro baseball player, but that was before that's, I really found skating. And that's, and that's usually the story. I was a uh, big, the, the tennis kid. Oh shit. Okay. Before, uh, so, cause all the big academies are down here. So like, I was like trying to get to an academy and that was like the goal. All right, little body body McEnroe. So glad that did not happen because that would have just been a miserable life. Really? Would it have been? Living in like country clubs? No, like Uh, the the, the academy kid, like uh, like, like I would have been living at a fucking, at a school, like that I'm like. uh, Okay, I read the book Infinite Jest. Training. uh, Where there's a lot of, uh, uh, a big portion of that book is based out of the tennis academy and stuff. Okay. Well, uh, the biography, autobiography of Andre Agassi. And, okay, so you read that. I did. Yeah, I read that as well. It's it's really good, and it's it's 
it's exactly how he describes it like growing up in junior tennis like the pressure and all that stuff like like it was pretty gnarly you know what um you're talking about baseball a minute ago and uh my kid is nine years old my oldest kid oh yeah uh, and he's playing baseball now playing the shit out of some baseball but all that stuff like the way those sports are makes me realize how much more uh i really am glad that i chose skating but because that stuff you know tennis is that same way that it's so specialized and it, i mean they're from such a young age they basically have them like hardcore training especially if they're good yeah exactly um, that's what i would have been doing i would have been like yeah waking up and and like doing weight training in the morning and then doing school and then doing tennis and then doing more school, more tennis, and then going to sleep. Like, and my yeah. parents, like I had an offer to go to one Academy and my parents were just like, yeah, we don't really like want that life for you. And they, they held me back from it. And I, I like really resented them for it for a while. And then, Oh yeah. Like now exactly. looking back, like, like, God, I've, I've thanked them many times. For that. Yeah. It, it's gnarly. It's, um, Again, yeah, if you're any good, you are almost immediately set on this path to, like, like burn yourself out, like, where yeah. you're not, you know, I mean, the idea in your head when you're younger is playing sports is maybe an escape from the, the rest of life and everything. It's just fun. And, uh, I mean, now that they have figured everything out and, and uh, you know, oh, yeah, like it's baseball a- and, and all, like, the saber metrics and everything like that is it, it's science. It, it, it's yeah it, it, it is uh it very quickly uh leaves the sandlot and just becomes like training like ivan drago yes. in uh <laughs> rocky four yeah it's uh, a lot all right so uh dude i remember you telling me that like uh like poncho moeller like lived with you and your family for a while yeah he did we had our own personal mascot <laughs> how did how does that happen He's from Jersey, uh, too? He lived all over the place. He lived in California. He's from – he was born in Chile. And uh, then he lived all over the place. But right before he moved to New Jersey, he had lived in California, in Southern California. And um, we – me and a couple of my friends were just hanging out at the skate shop in my hometown, Morristown, New Jersey. And we just see this little dude, little person, hanging out in the skate shop. We're like, whoa, check out that dude. I mean, you know, you see a uh, a little person, you're going to look yeah. just what it is. Uh, and he had like a skate shirt on. We're like, whoa, a little dude that skates. What the hell? Sick. Um, so we went right around the corner from the skate shop, went to skate the train station in Morristown, which was like kind of like the uh, our mecca in our little town. Yeah, um, the meetup spot. Yeah. So Poncho follows us up there. Um, we didn't know his name yet. And then we're all skating this little flight of stairs there. And then Poncho just cruises through and like, just boom, blast like a switch heel flip down these stairs. We're like, whoa, what the, f-? it was like 1992. So uh, doing that down like even like a small flight of stairs was, was crazy. And uh, we're like, whoa, what? He just did it first try. Then he cruises back up to like a back 360 down the stairs. We're tripping out. Cause like, I mean, that would have been good for anybody, but then seeing a little dude do it, uh, I was like, we didn't have the internet back then. I yeah. didn't know things like this could exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I thought every little person was famous in a movie, was uh, like in Willow, 
And yeah, and, but yeah, he came out, was ripping, and we were like, yeah. Me and my friends were screaming like, yo, you're the illest. And we found out his name. He said he was Poncho. We're like, your name's dope. And uh, <laughs> immediately we were all instant boys. Um, well, that's how it was back then. Yeah, yeah. You're like, you skate, I skate. We're friends. That's it. Game on. So we just started skating with him every day. And then, uh, like I was saying, his family had moved all over the place. I uh, was in California right before they were in New Jersey. And they weren't in New Jersey that long before they were moving out and going to Puerto Rico. Um, I guess Poncho's dad was a chef for, like, hotels. Okay. Um, I guess maybe – I don't know if it was, like, a particular hotel chain or what it was, like, head chef. And uh, it, it would lead to him moving around a lot. Uh, right. I think they are just on the run from the government or something like that. And that was just a cover-up <laughs> story. But – Anyways, they were moving to Puerto Rico soon, about a year after they were in New Jersey. He moved there. He hated it at the time. Wherever he lived, there wasn't anything to skate. And, uh, you know, he was just calling me up. We were talking all the time. And he and I just made this plan when we were like 15, 16, like, hey, come back to New Jersey, move in with me, come to school with me. And uh, it, somehow it worked out. My mom agreed to it. His mom agreed to it. And uh, he moved back to Jersey, came to school with me and lived at my house for like a year and a half or something like that. And, uh, yeah, let the, uh, let the comedy ensue from there. <laughs> Buddy comedy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, do you still, you still contact him or talk to him at all? I do. I don't talk to him a lot, unfortunately, but, uh, I mean, you know, he's one of those people though, no matter how much time passes. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's always like my best friend. And, uh, I had talked to him, actually talked to him like maybe two or three months ago. And he sent me like a link to this pilot that he did uh, for a TV show. It's awesome. It was really good. I'd seen other <laughs> stuff that he had done. Wasn't so good. Uh, some stuff okay. But yeah, dude, this, like, this pilot uh, that he sent me was great. It was, it one, was hilarious. One, you've seen a lot of one particular genre of film he was in. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. 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 I'm almost, dude, we're talking about this and I'm completely forgetting about his porn years. Yeah. <laughs> that is insane. That is like the craziest fucking thing ever that he ended up into that. Actually it's not, but then it is. I mean, he was one of the horniest dudes ever met in my life. Uh, he would constantly be like, ah, oh, bro, look at that girl. Imagine if we just went home and she was naked in our room. Like this is when we were in high school. <laughs> And walking up, I'm like, Shut you guys are sharing up. a room. Yeah, yeah, I'm sharing a room at my house in New Jersey. I'm like, shut the fuck up, Poncho. <laughs> like, chill out. Just chill out. They're not going to be there naked. All right. Uh, and then a few years later, he's in porn. <laughs> like, wherever he was filming that stuff, I don't know. Lil Romeo, that was uh, his porn name. So, so is your mom ever like, so whatever happened to your old friend Poncho? And you're like, well, you know, here. Send her a link. I can't remember. I probably did tell my mom because it's just one of those things that like shocking my mom and stuff, you know, just like, I can't remember if I did tell her, but I, I probably did. I probably did. I mean, my, my, my brothers and my sister know for sure. Yeah. I probably told them, but uh, I, I can't recall if I told my mom. That's awesome. But um, so, yeah, so uh, the, the Eastern exposure videos were like a little bit, little bit before my time like before i started skateboarding okay so my first memory of you was the the element third eye view video okay yeah and so that's like one of the like maybe like first like maybe five or ten skate videos i ever had 
Oh, wow. So I actually, I actually bought old, it. You're old and I'm older. Yeah. So, and I actually bought it from, uh, Scott Conklin was working at the skate shop. Oh, really? Yeah. He worked at the world market skate shop. Uh, that was like, it was like a little skate shop that was owned by skate park of Tampa. That was just like in a different neighborhood of Tampa. Oh, sick, sick. So Scott Conklin worked there and was like the buyer for the shop. Scott Conklin of, uh, of, of alien workshop. workshop. Uh, semi fame instead of famous fame ish famous fame ish yeah so um so for third eye view you obviously had like the super good mini ramp skating and uh off that that giant ramp that always got coverage in 411 yeah and, it, um it's funny uh, it's it's funny how over the years how many people like have uh told me they liked that and stuff and uh, yeah you know I'm, I'm totally humbled by that love it and but you know it was just like one day that we filmed it was just like yeah. one, basically one day it might have been like two or three other tricks from some other days but yeah the majority of it was just one random day just in the uh back of the giant um warehouse and stuff uh, yeah i just want to know who found the song oh me i did I did. Okay. I, I used to listen to this radio show all the time uh, called Stretch and Bobbito, and it was on. Yeah, yeah, I know about that. You know it? Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. I watched the, there's a documentary on them on Netflix. Oh, okay. All right. So I haven't even seen that. Uh, you know who used a lot of their stuff, too? It was like old Zoo York videos because the yeah. guy, Eli Gesner. Yeah, like mixtape. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they had a lot of, like, video from behind the scenes of the Stretch and Bobbito show. A lot of people made their debut, like – jay-z it, it wasn't even like commercial radio it's like a college station yeah and, yeah uh, yeah uh uh when uh i had a, i had josh stewart on for an episode and he, oh, told, okay. me, he told me that um forrest kirby the song forrest kirby skates to in the first static video he recorded off of uh cool keith being on the stretch of bobito show oh wow yeah that's where i was introduced to cool keith i would listen to it as i was going to sleep uh on weekdays when i was in maybe my freshman year of high school or something like that and i'd fall asleep and, and just hit record yeah tape wake up in the morning and try to edit the tapes up and stuff a little bit but uh yeah it's on i think one to four in the morning but it was yeah it was like amazing hip-hop this random college station but being close to new york i got the signal for the radio at my oh, house okay so you were listening to that stuff live as it was like yeah totally yeah, yeah. Nice. but so uh from listening to that i was introduced to this group called natural elements that was amazing and that's what the song is in that video part it's just an instrumental from one of their songs yeah um they were an amazing amazing hip-hop group that I guess was signed to Tommy Boy at one time, you know, that was like De La Soul was on there and everything. But, uh, and they did make an album that never got fully released, I guess, but it, it was amazing. They're, they're kind of like this uh, hip hop group that should have been much bigger than they were, but there's probably just some drama behind the scenes that uh, yeah. never really let it come to fruition. But uh, yeah, that's where the song came from. It was something I knew about. I was like, yeah, I got a perfect song for an element video. So yeah, dude, hell yeah. So uh, um, were you pro when that part came out or was it uh, like element uh, world tour came out? I was, um, no, I wasn't pro when that came out. But I went pro shortly after. I'm trying to remember the timeline. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, you know what? There was stuff that we were filming that was in the world tour video that, so I went pro probably as like world tour was coming out. It was, I basically went pro not so much from video parts and stuff, but basically from touring, like from doing tons and tons of demos and kind of building a name and people asking for my pro model and stuff that way. Right. Okay. Than, yeah, that, I mean, that's kind of what the, the, I mean, the world tour video was essentially just like demo footage for the people. Yeah, that's all it was. Demos and yeah. a couple contests things yeah. here and there. Like, uh, back in, like the Europe tour was popping. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just Dan Wolf filming it. Like yeah. just one, one filmer. Um, and we didn't even film all the time too, which is crazy compared to how it is, you know, uh, nowadays. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was it. Just basically doing demos and stuff. And that I went pro kind of, I think as that video was coming out, uh, I think that's how that ended up working out. Okay. So, uh, you went pro for element and then dude, I remember the, the, uh, the Tampa pro when like Carrie gets showed up wearing a habitat shirt and like other dudes, <laughs> I'm trying to remember who the other dudes were at the time that would have been at Tampa pro with him but there was like other dudes wearing habitat shirts and everybody's like oh fuck what the like what the fuck is habitat like what what is what is it what is it like ah, sick and and carrie was just like dude it's a, it's a new company like it, it's coming out like soon like and so uh yeah there wouldn't have been many especially skating tampa so i mean carrie you know definitely a contest dude it was Carrie Maybe Appleyard was there myself, but I don't know if Appleyard was on yet at that point. Maybe he was possibly. Uh, Cause I feel like Appleyard was maybe still birdhouse possibly. Yeah. Cause uh, I mean the pro contest would have been in, in March. And then uh, I think I, I think I remember seeing, I watched the, uh, I watched the intro part from photosynthesis again today. And I think it said like November of 99. Is when yeah, it was 99 that it got started. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like the Element World Tour video came out probably 98. Yeah. Already like early 99, uh, I was probably, I was like ready to quit Element and uh, Habitat was forming. So yeah, I was definitely on them on 99. I, I Boards maybe came out in 2000 or something. Yeah. I don't remember exactly, but all kind of roughly that timeline. And uh, man, like I just remember going, like we did like a, like we always did premieres of like videos at the time at the skate park of Tampa. And so we like, we had a big projector screen and a huge white, like white wall to do video premieres on. And so we did a photosynthesis premiere there. And I just remember like just being fucking blown away by it. And like, dude, to this day, it's still my favorite video of all time. Uh, one of the main reasons is that habitat intro section uh, just like the Mr. Dibs beats are so, so fucking good. Oh, that was sick. Um, I love that they did that. Just that whole fucking section and just like, dude, Anthony Van Engelen coming out like with the first first part, like the whole thing top to bottom, like Dill's part goes perfectly with that Radiohead song and just like. Yeah. No, it was dope, man. Was like, like I was a fan of Time Code too, so it's like, like I was a, like always been a Workshop fan. Like, Well, see, that, I'm the same way. I was a Workshop fan. I saw memory screen and i was so young when i saw it that it, like the first time i was just skipping all the artsy fartsy shit yeah 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 same but like the, but the skating was still amazing and there was still enough like artsy stuff in there that was sick and it was like 
you know, getting into my brain and, and having an effect on me for sure. And then over time I started watching like the whole video and then like reading the directions on the cover, like watch this video in the dark, uh, says that on the cover, I believe. And, oh yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, everything just really like that, that those type of things really just kind of really brought me into skating and that whole kind of mind state of just, you know, you're in the pursuit of a, an athletic pursuit, but with a deep uh, artistic angle. Yeah. And like, uh, like that, that kind of encompassed everything. It was so wholly unique. Uh, it, yeah. I was a huge fan from the get go. And that was like my dream company to ride for. I think I really wanted to ride for a girl and but alien workshop more than anything else and then uh, a little later down the line it, it it presented itself through alien workshop slash habitat you know which were all uh housed in under the same uh, umbrella yes and that's so funny that uh like workshop was so iconic like for their graphics and stuff but the way i was actually introduced to alien workshop was through like the dudes that wore jinkos in the believe shirt like just because they were like stoner ass seventh grade kids like oh like, not even like, skaters no no just the, like the kids that the, like the wore the huge ass jinko jeans like and like oh, just the, like the miss in of uh, the missing link shirt or of uh, the the like just like the straight believe shirt and they were just wearing it because like aliens were trippy dude like yeah believe bro believe. x files yeah so uh <laughs> so yeah so i i like didn't understand alien workshop because that's what i thought it was and then i saw that video and i was just like oh my gosh and then like i really like time code like i really like lenny kirk's part just because it's like oh yeah that part is you've never seen anything like that before like yeah that's one of the greatest greatest parts of all time for sure and like, yeah and just like and all the stuff like the intros to the parts with all those like uh like yeah, wind they, up like the wind up toys and stuff like i like like that's that's just awesome yeah, I don't think that's their best offering, uh, but there's a, there's some gems in that video for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and 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 also when I saw it, uh, I think it was either Bo Turner or John Drake has a couple tricks at Skate Park of Tampa, so that immediately made it like legitimate to me because that's all I knew about skateboarding at the time. Was yeah, there was Tampa. Probably then, something. I wonder how people on the West Coast felt about it at that time if they were so as intrigued as maybe we were being not in the uh, eye of the storm as it were. But like, yeah. I, I think there was something about seeing that stuff, those spots in Ohio and everything that you could maybe relate to a little bit more. There had yeah, to be something like there the, that was, I wasn't aware of at the time that, that uh, you know, amazing skating at spots that looked like spots I was skating, the, the shitty parking lot yeah. I was skating in. And so, uh, yeah, like I said, like the reason, like, I love that video, the habitat intro section, like you gave me, a, you gave me a, uh, actual photosynthesis t-shirt a couple years back. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I just wanted to like, make sure you knew that that, that shit is real special to me. Cause that really <laughs> is my favorite. Sorry about the ring around the collar on it. Dude, I don't even care. I don't even, I wore, <laughs> I've worn it once. I like, I wear it when I, when I like, like I wore it to a, uh, um, skate trivia night oh sick perfect i wore it to that and i, I was just like yeah that's right bitch and then like all that's the a sick one unfortunately maybe we need to remake some of those 
because those shirts fit like a fucking SpongeBob Square SquarePants shirt. <laughs> they fucking <laughs> like cardboard with this fucking no fit whatsoever. Shirt technology has come a long way. And uh, were uh, were you, were you like living in Philly at all during this time? Like filming? Yeah, I did. I lived in Philly for like, like a year and a half there or something. I mean, I, I would stay in Philly all the time with like Ryan yeah. G. First with like Ricky Oyola, then a lot with Ryan G. Uh, and Dan Wolf. And then um, during like the Habitat years, I had a place in Philly with, uh, it was me, Brian Wenning, Rob Pluhowski and his girlfriend, who's his wife now. Uh, you, do you uh, talk to Rob Pluhowski at all? No, I don't think like anybody does really. Uh, what does he do? He, he does some sort of woodworking. Um, I, I know he, uh, he makes like, furniture of some sort i don't know he does like specialize and then uh anthony papillardo are in business together no i, I don't think papillardo is doing any of that stuff i'm not really sure what papillardo is up to he's uh he's a mysterious dude uh, okay i know he was like making little benches and stuff at one point but yeah, i don't know I'm if he continued the benches the furniture yeah like rob rob Pluhowski, i know apprenticed and got like a proper got proper training in that field. I think Papalardo was just kind of messing around with it and whatnot. And, but I, I don't know that he really went, went that route. I think he was just messing around with it. And I don't think he went okay. beyond that. And but then, yeah, that, that's like Rob uh, Pluhowski's main, that's his gig nowadays. As far yeah. as and, and has anybody heard from Pat Corcoran? I haven't, I don't know what he's up to. I don't know. Uh, Hopefully it's good, but just knowing that kid and where he was living, if he was going down the route that most people around him were going down, probably not doing great. Uh, okay. But well, shit, I have no idea. I, I have no clue. All There's right. There's got to be somebody in Philly that has uh, the finger on the pulse of all things Pat Corcoran. Um, okay. But well, I, uh, I was I was asking you about uh, you living in Philly because uh, – like one of my one of my favorite lines ever at Love uh, was was your line with the the high speed nolly varial flip and then the varial flip up and then oh, the back you, five zero front side half cab out. Uh, oh, that's funny. Uh, thank you, but uh, it's funny because I was actually trying to film a different line. Uh, they, I did film the line, but I never landed it good. Where I instead of doing that back one eighty. Fakey five zero front half cab out. I was doing a backside flip fakey nose grind. Okay. And I think that, like me, I did it. I did it a couple times, just sketchy. But I think that ended up in something, maybe an on video or something. Um, okay. I just one time just was just threw in the back one eighty fakey five zero back to forward, and whatever yeah, that that was the one we ended up using. Nice. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, speaking, you talking about that on video? It was cool because. Uh, me and uh, my, my family went on a vacation to Philly once and we were staying uh, in a hotel and from our room, we were overlooking Love Park and oh, right there. kids are skating and stuff. And I'm just like, I'm like, hey, mom, dad, check this out. And I put like the, that little love story uh, on documentary on. And they oh, it was, oh, it was during that time, like after that, it happened. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is probably like five or six years ago that I was on this trip with my parents. 
Oh, okay. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just showed him on YouTube the on video, like with like the Love Park documentary on it. Yeah. And I was like, this is what like that place means to skateboarding, and was able to show them that, and they were just like, oh wow, Kevin Bacon's dad, huh? Like that's what <laughs> like. Yeah. My that's you know my my dad. He's just like, oh, Kevin Bacon's dad, huh? Like. That's funny, but yeah, it's who gives a shit? I don't know what you're talking about. It's the same thing as if somebody told me about figure skating or something. Uh, who gives a fuck? I don't know what you're saying. Kevin Bacon, five degrees of uh, separation from Kevin Bacon. Yeah. You know what? I, I remember doing the interview for that on video thing, and they're talking about Love Park being dead and all that, and uh, that was before it was really gone. And I was like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to skate it right now, but I knew there would be like a resurgence or like, people aren't going to say no forever and people skaters being skaters are going to, you know, start figuring out ways to skate it. Security will be lax at some point. And then after those years were on to the video where like love park is dead. Oh my God. level the place and redid it completely well yeah i mean now it's like not even there anymore yeah it's gone it's gone yeah city yeah. hall love park are gone they're not yeah but, uh, so fast forward just a little bit like i remember always like reading like you like you would uh like guest write articles for like slap uh sometimes for skateboarder magazine and then, of course, uh, the infamous the story that you wrote that appeared at the on the sole of your uh, Xavier Pro Model shoe. Oh yeah. Um, and so I always like liked your writing and stuff. And uh, so, and I, I just remember one year you were at, in in the shop at Skate Park of Tampa for Tampa Pro, and uh, like you just started doing like guest comment like for a dvd feature like people do guest commentary like you've done it for skate videos before yeah but you just started rolling on guest commentary live like live performance guest commentary <laughs> for uh a red dragon video that came, that recently came out oh I, I have no recollection of this really like yeah and like i'm i can't remember if i was working in the shop or if i was just hanging out in the shop at the time i'm sure i was talking shit uh well you're well i mean the video was fucking crazy so you were like it was like half shit talk half like astonishment oh yeah yeah those fuckers i mean because they were jumping down gnarly rails at yeah like paul now had the last part and i just remember like so they're they're, the, they're jumping down gnarly rails in some yeah. pale ass jeans and flex fit hats at the time it's just like you've got the most boring outfit ever but you're so, doing the gnarliest thing ever so at the beginning of the video you start talking shit about the video and like, like doing your guest commentary thing. And I'm watching and like, there's like five other people watching the video. Like, I can't remember who else was there, but it was like your homies, like, but you just kept it up. And eventually like people would just like walk in the shop, say what's up. And you're just like, dude, we're watching this video. And so people would just stop. And seriously, by the end of the video, there was like at least 20 people that are just sitting there. Like, having like watching you and it's probably like the first like reaction video or like unboxing video is like you were unboxing <laughs> the red dragon video and just uh guest commentating it for everybody in the shop's delight and you had like a full audience by the end of the video 
And I was going to ask if you remembered it, but you're just saying you have no re- recollection. No, of it. I don't remember that at all, but that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I remember this. So we're going to fast forward again to like an employee meeting and uh, Clemens and Schaefer just like asking if anybody has any ideas for an announcer for Tampa Amp. And I had, think I'd recently read like a tour article that you wrote. So you're like just fresh in my mind. And I just go, Tim O'Connor. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dude, we, we, you've, you've told me this and we've talked yeah. about this before. Yeah. You're responsible for me. It was my idea. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, bonus career of just talking shit on a mic and traveling around the world. And basically I owe it to you. You're the one that planted that seed and made that thing happen. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much, bud. Um, so, uh, actually you should, so you showed up to a habitat demo at the skate park one time and some dunks. I was just curious if you were ever like, if it was ever talked about that you were going to get on Nike at all, like after Xavier, um, after Xavier there, I think they wanted, Oh no, no, no. It was after Vita. Okay. After Vita, they wanted the whole Vita team to ride for Nike. I think it was something like that. There, I, that would have been awesome for Gideon Choi. Yes, it would have been good for Gideon Choi. Uh, that was – I'm pretty sure that's how that went down. There was something like that. I, fuck, some of this shit is so foggy in my memory. Um, but I think, like, Nike prior to that had just tried to come into skating and just kind of – just shit the bed a couple times, you know, so nobody, so, you know, funny uh, how it is now where Nike's at and Nike at that time just seemed yeah. shitty for skating. Um, I think we all just kind of shot it down. I think the only person that ended up doing it was Reese Forbes. Yeah. And I, I, I think I went to Savier after that, which was Nike money and it basically essentially Nike just under a, a different name. Yeah. Um, which I knew and didn't know all at the same time. Uh, so yeah, but I, I ended up getting like Nike shoes and stuff here and there. Uh, but, but I never was fully going to ride for them. Never like any full offer on the table or anything other than I think they wanted the whole Vita team at one point, but I, I just went elsewhere. Okay. Cause uh, yeah, I think Rob Luhowski went there too. I think he was getting shoes from Nike so I think Rob and Reese took him up on it. And then Reese kind of, you know, went a little further with that whole deal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the rest of us went elsewhere. And uh, is, it, is it also true that um, when Danny Renaud got kicked off a of Habitat, he focused all your boards before he left the apartment? Yeah. Well, I mean, he had focused all the boards prior to getting kicked off. But uh, – Oh, okay. So Yeah, I mean, that's one of the most amazing shitty stories ever. Shitty at the time amazing in hindsight um he focused everybody's board but mine he was just being a shitbag out in barcelona spain was just drinking i mean ripping and stuff anytime he skates he's ripping but he's just like a lunatic you drink be a he's a bad drunk yeah Uh, i've told you before like i grew up with danny like he he was like from a couple towns over so he was always at the skate park when we were when we were younger yeah, he would just get in the shit. Was just yeah. always, uh, causing some shit, and uh, like I, I've told you the story where uh, I showed up. My mom was dropping me off at the skate park one time, and uh, 
Uh-huh. Me Renard was just standing out front smoking a cigarette at, at like 13 years old, 12 years, yes. like 14 yes. years old or something. <laughs> and before I get out of the car, my mom looks at me and she's like, if I, like, you see that kid over there smoking a cigarette? Like, if I ever catch you hanging out with this kid while you're hanging out here, I'll never take you back. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my gosh, okay. Yeah. So I wasn't allowed to hang out with Danny Renaud. I did anyway. Like, you couldn't, of avoid, course. You couldn't avoid people at the skate park. Like, no, no, not at all. That's amazing. For, to see him at that age smoking a cigarette outside, like nowadays, it would be a shit storm. Oh, yeah. Then it was still like, Jesus Christ, that kid's a shitbag. But like, yeah. Well, I mean, you go, like, back then, you go to a skate park on like a Saturday, and that was the, that, and Saturday was the busy day, and there was like 10 people there skating. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Like, you go there on a Tuesday, and like, sometimes you have the whole place to yourself. Oh, my God. Fucking skating. <laughs> what a, um, what a I, weird I, I, choice I, of life. But anyway, I'll get back to Danny anyway in that story. Uh, he was getting sent home early from Barcelona, Spain, just being a shitbag, basically. Yeah. They, like, woke him up early in the morning. They're like, hey, we got you a ticket. You're going fucking home. Get up. Get your shit together. And I'm taking you to the airport. Team manager, Tony Heights, was taking him to the airport, taking a cab with him, and then coming back. Danny goes outside, and he's like, hey, hold up a second. I left uh, something upstairs. I think he was still – yeah, he was still barefoot at the time. Uh, I think he was just like, I need to grab my shoes. And he went up, it's like probably seven, eight in the morning, whatever. And he just grabs everybody's board. He's barefoot and just focuses everybody's board in the apartment. It's probably like eight people. Just focuses everybody's board, leaves. He's fucking gone. Everybody wakes up in the morning. Their fucking boards are done. I remember coming into the place and everybody's just putting together boards. I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) And it was amazing. It was amazing. It was just such an amazing unwavering and unflinching unflinching dedication to being a dickhead that you almost you had to respect it and he didn't focus my board my board was like under a bed or whatever i don't know if he purposefully didn't do it or he just didn't see it i got lucky um but i loved it i I was laughing hysterically it was (laughs) fucking great okay (laughs) um have you ever done hallucinogens with fred gall I haven't. No, no, no. I never fucked with any hallucinogens. I don't trust my own brain enough to uh, okay. myself in that world. Or yeah, actually, no, it. sorry. Sorry. One time I did. Oh. I just went to sleep. So it didn't work. But that's the only time ever. Okay. I did in Copenhagen. It was pretty awesome. Oh, you did? I said the only time I would have done it would probably be with Fred. And maybe I should have. But no, I, I I did not. Unfortunately, he's good. Uh, at Fred was good at drugs. Like our uh, the the our first day in Copenhagen, we showed up to the to the uh, what is it Wonderland Bowl? Yes. And um, Evan Evan Smith had was like, dude, I just cashed my shoe check and spent it all on on mushrooms for my birthday. I just want everyone to trip. And I'm just like, woo, oh, good choice for awesome. your, right. your money. But he's another guy that's good at drugs. Yeah. He's he's just he's happy as fuck. <laughs> so he's never gonna go down some dark, dark hole uh in his mind or whatever, which is uh that's the type of place you wanna be in if you do that stuff. For sure, for sure. But um yeah, so uh like I said er, a little bit earlier, I essentially got you your second career as an announcer. You did. You, did. Uh, you, you absolutely ushered uh, what, uh 
what are what are some things that you that you uh, remember from t- judging Tampa Ams? Like, what was your? Do you remember like any one particular skater that maybe didn't make it but always stuck out to you, or like um, they all meshed together as one? Uh, a lot of them meshed together. I know that you've announced Tampa Am in the past, and like what they figured out after was to kind of do jam format yeah. where more people are skating, yeah, rather than sitting through two runs for fucking 9,000 skaters. It's those days were painstaking. Brutal. It's painstaking. They were brutal. Yeah. And I know you fell asleep on the mic, like literally fell asleep. It happened, which is amazing, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it, it, it's shocking. But then I also, I totally understand. Yeah. Totally understand. Uh, Thank you. Clement still hasn't forgiven me. Oh, really? He should totally forgive you. I mean, it's like watching fucking paint dry. I've never been at a contest in my life where I sat through the whole fucking thing if I wasn't announcing it or, like, judging or something like that. It's fucking – who wants to do anything for that long? Um, okay, but as so. far as remembering anybody's run, uh, fuck. Uh, it's hard to remember. I remember one kid. I was making fun of Sabier. I, I – I can't remember why. I think they had like maybe fucked us over or something at the time. I don't even recall. But I was probably just talking tons of shit on Sabier. Kid yeah. wrote it for them and just took it personal like I was talking shit about him. Uh, I remember like just a little conflict with that dude. and uh, I don't even remember what was said. But uh, that guy never went on to be anything, so he gives a shit. Um, <laughs> but you know what? More so, it's it, I honestly – I, it's hard to remember any of that stuff, but you end up meeting people later in life that just weren't, they were, they weren't a name at that point in dating. So you didn't know them, but they, they're like, Hey, I remember doing my contest run and you were saying this. I was like, Oh shit. That was you. Or I I didn't remember it, but like, Oh fuck. Like it's pretty fun. I get that sometimes too, from when I was announcing like all those damn contests, like, yeah, all those kids fucking remember, man. And like, now all those kids are like Figgy and yeah and uh, like Marius and Wes Kramer and like kids like and they're like, dude, I remember when you announced my run, man, and you were skating the contest, like. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, so, they went on to be the the who's who of skateboarding. Yeah, exactly, and uh, like people like I don't know when they ask me like, so you, you never went pro, huh? And I was like. Nah, but I, I skated with the people that went pro. Like, there you go. I'm pro adjacent. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. I was like, I was, I was like a, a finger tip away from greatness. Like, you've, you've lived <laughs> the life of a pro skateboarder. Uh, yeah. You know what it is. Uh, so nothing different. You missed out on nothing. Yeah. So uh, you couldn't remember anything that particularly stuck out as being awesome. How about something maybe that was terrible? Like, uh, there's a fucking lot of terrible, my God, <laughs> a lot of terrible. Um, and so, but you do remember that you actually did announce all of my runs in Tampa Am. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember you skating. I can't remember the run in particular, but I remember being psyched watching you skate. That was probably one of the things that like juiced me up when I'm on the mic. Like, you know, you probably, there's lulls all over the place and then, you'd be in there and it'd get me psyched up because you always just having fun with it. Fun dude to watch and everything. Yeah, um, I was just always trying to bring something different to the table. You did, Scotty. You absolutely because, uh, did. People grinds got boring. And <laughs> oh my God. People and grinds. I, and it, and I, wasn't that, 
and I wasn't even that good at feeble grinds, so I had to figure something else out. It, the years that I announced, like Tampa Am, and then, uh, for some reason, every kid was doing nolly big spins. I don't know why. I don't know what the fuck. Oh, dude, there's always uh, a couple tricks that are the Vogue tricks for the. They are, the- yeah. Like, tricks are trending at a certain point. It's weird. Yeah. Um, like front yeah, then you do like the year of like the the front the the crail slide. Oh, the crail slide, yeah. There'd be a, the am shuffle, the like crooked grind, yeah. back lift thing, but it wasn't quite a crooked grind, just like a little nose grind bonk. Yeah, um, the, you're talking about the am shuffle was the front board body burial to board slide. Oh yeah, that too. Oh god, that's that was never good. That was never yeah. good. Yeah. So like, there's always those tricks that somehow just like are the 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 contest tricks, but. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't I like, really know. I'm not gonna do those. Yeah, it, it, skateboarding's better now, for uh, for the most part. <laughs> Trending so, tricks are not a good idea. <laughs> so here's a, um, dude. How was it like, uh, like being in like the the the? I mean, I even hate to say it like this, but like the Bam Margera posse. Like the like that entourage, like in Bam's entourage, like Why do you I remember saying like, it like that. It was great. It was yeah. Awesome. All right. Cool. Dude, well, first of all, Bam, he rules. No matter what, like whatever he's gone through, his ups, yeah. his downs, and like being so famous that you want to hate on him. And so, dude, he's like the best dude, heart of gold. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been with that dude since he was just, you know a skater skate rat and we we bonded on that level at a young age and then and then you know later on him being famous as shit and him just taking me everywhere like tim come on over to this party uh i'm on like a skate trip and we're both in miami at the same time he's like come over this hotel there's a party going on come hang out i walk in this hotel room it's like fucking kate moss like as i go in i'm like what 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 the fuck like it's he brought me into this whole world that was just, I had no place being. And it, he was able to just fucking open up doors to me and just brought me along. Like there's no reason for him to bring me along. He could just kept me in skating. You're my skate buddy. But then would just bring Hollywood into my front door as well. It, amazing. It's incredible. And not, basically nobody gets to experience stuff like that. It's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And it was always cool, like, uh, when you guys would just have, like, random appearances in the middle of, like, regular MTV shit, like, uh, skating, at, like, like, I remember one time you just suddenly, you were skating uh, a mini ramp in the middle of Times Square in a thong. Oh, you got a good memory. Yeah. For, yeah. for like, an MTV awards show pre-show. Damn, you were fucking good. That was really random that we did that thing. I think that was prior to bam having viva la bam yeah like i remember watching it live holy shit god damn that's crazy that you saw that uh i don't even know if there's video evidence of that anywhere nowadays but that was yeah prior to viva la bam being on and i was going to be like one of the main guys on the show and uh and he and i hosted this like video music awards like a clip show or something like that because it was like the vmas were going to come on yeah uh in the next like month or so and they're doing all these you know hype up uh uh, shows and that was both hyping up bam and then hyping up up the video music awards and everything at the time uh 
So yeah, that's how that came about. That was random. I can't believe that you saw that and remember it. Well, and then uh, also just like random stuff with Bam. Like you had the, just like the random uh, game show on TBS, like maybe five, six, five, six years ago. Yeah, that was, that was pretty fun to do, but the show was fucking terrible. It was horrible. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I, was, I, I mean, I told you before, I tried to watch it, and it was just like... Yeah, dude, I was on it, and I would turn it on to watch it and turn it off. <laughs> like, 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 I'm uh, on it, and I turn it off. It was bad. I, I put it on it in the other room, so uh-huh. it, it could be on, and you could get ratings. Get the ratings, yeah. But I, but I, was, watching well, something. A, I was watching something else in the living room. That's a surefire sign that if you know the guy on the show and you can't watch it, that ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen. I'll tell you what, Bam actually did do funny stuff uh, for that show, but they tried to make it something where it was like edgy but still family friendly. Like the power of editing. Yeah. We saw what the final product was, was. There was so much other stuff that was filmed that was funny that was more of Bam's. Uh, uh, comedic value and you know his comedic stylings but they tried to kind of mold it into something else that was never going to work and um you know we didn't know at the time and uh whatever is what it is what it was you know hey, you're gonna you're gonna film a million shows and uh majority of them are gonna suck and once in a while you'll you'll hit pay dirt you know they, they all one of them, unfortunately they all can't be breaking bad no they cannot Absolutely not. It was fun to do. Um, yeah, of course those dudes were a mess at that time. I was with Bam, Brandon Novak, uh, who's clean now. All those guys are clean. But yeah, they were a fucking shit show with like drugs and just kind of shit hitting the fan during that time too. And uh, I was like the organized one. They kept talking to me, all the producers and everything. I was the guy driving and in charge of everything. And it, it, they were all just a complete mess. It was, it was fucking wild, but, but fun at the same time. All right. So, uh, na- so nowadays, well, I mean, not now since COVID, so not this year, but uh-huh. uh, for the last like four or five years, you've kind of been like the official, like kind of lead announcer for us over at the border. Um, what, uh, I, I was having trouble remembering like what, uh, your, your first gig with, with the border was. First gig with the border? Or um, like when it when you started working for the border? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I did all the Tampa stuff and everything. Yeah, of and course. The first official border thing, like, well, there was the Maloof Cup, but that wasn't the border yet. That was still um, an independent association. Yeah. So the first thing that was the border, fuck, that's a good question. What the hell was it? Uh, do you know the answer? I'm fucking. No, I don't. I don't. This is not. This was not a pop a pop quiz. What year did Ryan start the border? Is four years ago? Uh, I think now it's like five or six, maybe. Oh my god. Um, I'll tell. I'll tell it. Well, the reason I asked is because, uh, like, I always like looked up to you because, like, you know, skater. I want to be a pro skater, and you, then you were like announcer, and I was like announcing stuff like so much back back then. So like. Like when I found out that I was gonna like do a job and announce a contest with you, I was like so psyched when I found that out. And that was for uh, when we started doing those Adidas skate copas. I-, I was just gonna say, was it the Adidas skate copas that we did? Was that the first border thing? It might it be. It might have been. It might have been. Because it might have been that combination of my um, my affiliation with Adidas, and then yeah, I think they wanted that made it all fall into line. Yeah, yeah, I think they they wanted you to do to be there. 
Okay, yeah, those were fun, man. Those were super fun. Dude, we got wine and dined on those, man. That was great. Wine to dine, but yeah, it was fun though as well. That was like a that was a fun gig. It was a fun event, you know. Super. I mean, you gotta love that shit about skating. Like talking, going back to when we were first talking about real sports, tennis, baseball, stuff like that. How serious yeah. they are. It was fun to do the skate copas, which were, you know, amazing fun. skating, but they're laid back as far as the contest environment. Everybody's kind of talking shit, having fun, but they're just like. I mean, yeah, and it's still like there's a team aspect too. So everybody's like got pride in like their squad and like, yeah, enough to make it competitive and yeah. bring out some amazing skating, but not too much that it's like a fucking jock fest. It's yeah, so for, sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, those were great. And, uh, I really, I, I enjoyed those a lot and I missed those. Yeah. So that was like our first time where uh, I got to work with you. And I just want to know if it was as, as good for you as it was for me. Yeah, dude, you when I hey, when we first spoke on the mic together, bud, it was like I'm like, this is what it sounds like when the dubs cry. Yeah. <laughs> it was meant to be. It was so meant to awesome. be. Yeah, like I, I felt like we had a pretty good rhythm. And uh like I was on my P's and Q's because like I was all the given up on working in skateboarding. Like I was like like the like I wasn't working at skate park in Tampa anymore. The border wasn't a thing yet. So like Mm -hmm. I, I didn't really have a, a job in skating. I was like doing a bunch of random, random ass jobs. Yeah, so uh, skateboarding's a rough one for the the long haul, for sure. Yeah, but uh, Clements was uh, gracious enough to give me another chance and brought me back. And so I tried to like not blow it. Like I remember like going out and like not drinking the night before because I was just like I'm not gonna. Be, <laughs> I was like I'm not falling asleep on the mic. Like I'm not like like this is gonna be great. Like I'm working with a professional here. Like like. I'm not trying to push the envelope too hard. Like, like Clemens knows my style of announcing, but I'm just going to try to tone it down a little bit and just do a great job. And you kill so it, like, but then you're also, you know, you're, you're, you can hear it right now as you're talking, you're humble. Yeah. And you're not, uh, you're not the guy that is on the mic and it's, it's your show. It's like, screw everybody what's going on it's me 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 like you, you have that that humble aspect about yourself that you you know you just uh you enhance what's going on in front of you and you do the perfect job and you kill it man nice and uh like i like i felt like we had a good rhythm going and uh like midway through the day that dude jesse came over and was like and was just like hey like you guys could be like you know a little more edgy like you you, you can oh yeah you can swear <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn this shit. He's like, he's like, let's let's turn this shit up. Well, see, you have to feel that like, out at certain events. You have to feel that out. I mean, it depends yeah, yeah, yeah. about the gig that we do. With certain know, things, you, you have to be vanilla as shit. I mean, yeah. unless, you know, it's not our, it's not our show. So yeah. it's uh, you tell me what you want and we'll deliver. Um, so yeah, you have to walk that fine line. Like, am I being vanilla and being? edgy as in like what what we could put on primetime tv or can we go all out you know uh, yeah yeah so you need so, that go ahead yeah i remember jesse yeah. coming over from, and say from, that from that moment i remember like me and you just kind of looked at each other and we were like all right like he's like dude like all right let's ruin these kids but not like ruin them but you know ruin them in, in all in good fun like i mean that's what you're supposed like, to do all right the whole know, skateboard contest can be amazing and boring all at the same time 
you well, know, like, uh, like, like Copenhagen, you could really just say whatever the hell you want on the microphone. Yeah, you could, that, there's nothing like Copenhagen. That is a, its own beast in of itself. You can yeah. do anything. Yeah. I could probably be butt naked on the mic. Yeah, of course. Fine. Even though there's a full family with uh, single digit uh, kids in the family hanging out watching like a little six-year-old with a little red balloon, like, Papa, Papa. They got the outdoor urinals there where you're just pissing in front of a. It's it's crazy. There's nothing like that place. And uh, the the mom just will just take it as an opportunity to give a free lesson in anatomy. There you go. Yes, which is you know another thing. Like you know, you want to talk about people truly better than us. Uh, (laughs) They are whatever is going on in that society. They are a more evolved species. For a think of all the stuff in Copenhagen, for anybody out there that hasn't been to the Copenhagen Open, I would say go there, but I don't want too many of you go, to go there and ruin the experience because it can only be so many before that bubble bursts. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's an incredible experience to have that many people together, mostly all drunk, having fun, and then there's no fights. Nobody's robbed. People lose their wallet. The wallet gets returned to them somehow through some magical uh, uh, karma of some sort that is going on there. I I don't know. It's amazing. It is. uh, Boards were getting returned to them at spots like a couple days after they lost. Like I remember Fred. Like I like happened to Fred. I've shared a hotel room with Fred Gall in Copenhagen. Oh fuck! That is the worst room to ever have been in for uh, anybody but either of you guys. (laughs) <laughs> did but, uh, his snoring fuck up your snoring i don't know i don't remember okay well that's good then like i was drinking a lot in copenhagen and i don't drink too much so you you know that like i don't really drink yeah. too much so uh yeah yeah you rarely I felt drink. like i was uh being a pussy by not drinking when when every single spot you went to somebody hands you a four pack it's insane yeah yeah. And it's, it's just huge. like okay i guess we're drinking like Dude, I always have to go on like a cleanse and a fast after Copenhagen, like after Copenhagen, like it, that it wreaks havoc on my body. I am just destroyed after that. Never drank like that in my life. I've never woken up, eaten breakfast, and then boom, 24 pack in my, I'm a, what? And free, all free. Just oh, get, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, all right, here we go. And uh, you just start saucing it up all day. You know, you just got to drink just enough to be in the vibe, but uh, not overdo it so that you're not fully uh, uh, out of your mind and just speaking gibberish. Yes. So, uh, so like, like we said earlier, now we have, we have traveled the seven continents, or I'm sorry, six of the seven continents together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've been roommates, one. roommates in foreign lands, eating the most opulent meals available. That's true. I heard you like, snore in the four corners of the earth. <laughs> so uh well this is just uh some advice for me because uh of my impending nuptials and uh mm. you know eventual procreation uh, I, got your, I got your wedding invite i was just filling it out earlier today well nice i i know uh like i invited some people not not really uh expecting them to actually come just because of the situation but i just wanted to let some people know that i was thinking about them you know Hey, not non-COVID times. We're all there. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. One hundred percent. 
I know how it is. You just said you haven't left your town since February, so. Dude, I, I have. I've left the town, but, like, not far. Not far. And so, uh, like, how do you, uh, like, with the, the, the travel schedule that's involved with uh, announcing all these contests now, mm-hmm. and then you were, so how do you uh, juggle, like, you know, being a family man and stuff like that? But it's hard, man. You know, I get a lot of shit from wifey for, for it. You know, it's like certain things. I have to run it through her. Got to run through the filter. She says, no, I'm shut down uh, for the most part. But, you know, she's, she likes it because it makes me happy to be part of something that, fuck, I, I've loved, you know. I, yeah, for sure. I have to. I love it to, to get to that certain level and be involved in it that, that much in your life. Um, so you know it's balance balance and leverage so she you know it's one of those things to get to go do my thing for a little bit go have some beers with friends in another city go watch amazing skating and we we're able to work it out her office is only like a mile from our house uh so super close she can always go pick the kids up at school mother-in-law is close by she'll watch the kids um uh, my sister-in-law, brother-in-law. So we have a lot of family in the area and everything. So right. we're able to balance it through that. Having a lot of family in the area and everything. Well, that's a, that's one of, probably one of the reasons why you haven't left. Yes, yes. That is one of the reasons. But people are moving out. So, uh, okay. yeah, the the incentive to be in this area is uh, quickly fleeting. And so, so how's your role as the, as the family man changed since COVID? Like, is your, is your wife still going into the office or is she working at home? She is. She's at the office. She wasn't at first. She was working at home, but too hard with kids. Like they'll just be knocking down the door and, uh, you know, coming at her. So she goes into the office and, uh, yeah, for this, uh, I've mostly been at home a bunch, but more than I've been at at home now longer than I ever have since I was, I don't know, 17, 16, 17 or something like that. Um, this is the longest I've been in, basically one place since then uh but yeah so i've been around for that and she's at the office and uh that's it i'm just you know doing what everybody's doing working remotely as much as we can going to the office when you have to and then uh going nuts from fucking homeschooling and shit like everybody else so you so you just been running super dad role dude full super dad Wednesdays are COVID Wednesdays at my house. We have my kid, two of his fucking nerdy ass friends that come over and they all do virtual schooling together. Okay. Uh, I help my other kid that just turned six the other day uh, with his first grade online schooling. The other ones that like the other kids are nerds. So they're basically self-sufficient. Uh, my younger kid, I, I basically have to hover over him, just fucking wrangle him in, just fucking slap him in the back of the head, make sure he's just jumping back into the screen and uh, paying attention, actually learning something. Dude, if you if you have a work schedule where you can't really be there for your kids or you're just like half paying attention, your kids are going to be fucking idiots when this is all done. Oh, geez. The homeschooling thing is a fucking joke, dude. It is ridiculous. There, there's very few places that are pulling it off, uh, respectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, mostly, you're just homeschooling. You're the teacher, and you've now just uh, taken on this new full-time gig uh, out of nowhere. Yeah, and for for the last five years, I've been been telling my my lady like, 
is this really the world you want to bring a child into right now? Like, cause I was always like trying to you children and now, and, and, and now more than ever, the argument actually is pretty getting pretty legitimate. Pre getting it is beyond <laughs> legitimate. Holy is shit. Really the world? Like, come on. Like, dude, this is, Oh my, I mean, I was out of the kid game for a bit before this but holy fuck I, I just slammed my nuts in the car door just a couple extra times just to make sure just to make sure <laughs> no fucking way shit is weird my sister has a one year well almost a one-year-old and uh, i mean this first year of this kid's life has just been berserk obviously the kid isn't gonna remember any of it but uh, you know it's definitely got my sister shook as to yeah yeah uh, what the well, impending future holds you know yeah uh one of one of my best like most bestest friends just had a kid a week ago. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah. Good for the kid. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't know anything. Won't remember it. I'm scared just, for the parents. Yeah. It's a scary world right now, man. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to believe. I don't uh, know. It's just in. Uh, nobody does. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't, I don't watch any of it. I don't subscribe to any of it. You don't subscribe to anything that's happening? Oh no no! I believe that like like COVID is real. I don't. Okay, yeah, I didn't know if that's what we were. No, no 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 no! I'm sorry. I don't subs I don't subscribe to the belief in either side. Like I don't. I'm not like. I don't believe this and not believe this, and like I'm not like. Uh, hey man, case by case basis. Like I'm just not paying attention to it. Like I believe it exists, and I'm being as careful as I can. Oh, yeah. And like. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, no, only take in as much basic around the way information as you need. Otherwise, you will be overwhelmed. You, yeah, exactly. It's like too much information that it gets dangerous if there's that much information out dude, there. I, I am the same way. I, uh, I honestly don't even know what's going on in the news or anything. I don't look at anything. Uh, yeah, because like when you have five different like news sources telling you like maybe three and a half different things. Yeah, it's a fucking mess. That's where everybody's at right now. There's too yeah. much information, so it's worse than no information. Nobody knows what to believe. That's kind of the problem that we're at right now, and very few people know how to uh, do any... Uh, you, you, also, you, you basically have to become a professional researcher uh, and, and vet things on your, your own now rather than having a go to um, uh, uh, universal truth, you know, platform for universal truth, you know? You yeah. To, you, can't make, you can't make an immediate judgment on anything. You got to wait a while, wait till all the facts kind of come out, and then wait even longer beyond that to find out a little more evidence and then, then maybe form an opinion. If you do anything before that, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. So yeah, I, I try, I try not to pay attention to it. Just, I just try to be as careful as I can and just like be respectful to other humans, which, you know, is what you should be doing anyway. Which most people do in general. Yeah. As shitty as people think things are, it's not that bad. People are good uh, for the most part. Okay. So uh, you said your, your, uh, your, your kid has friends over for COVID learning Wednesdays. Yeah. Um, do like the other families and stuff and like the other kids' dads on the baseball team and the, like the other parents, do they, do they like know that you were a thing? Like, do yeah. they, they're yeah. like, people tell me they've like Googled me all the time and everything, but where I live, skateboarding's like not a thing. So they know that they've heard that. If you hear somebody who's a professional skateboarder around here, it makes sense 
in California or something, Southern yeah. California, but in New Jersey and the Burbs, people are like, wait, what the fuck? Like, what do you mean that you're, you were a professional skateboarder? It's, it's so far off the beaten path here, you know, but, yeah. but enough people know that, it, that they Google me, tell me they watch some videos of me skating and stuff. Um, yeah, so they know for sure. The, the kids are always like psyched about it, asking me stuff all the time. Okay. That's cool. So uh, actually, man, I've been, I've like running, running down your uh, resume. We've kind of had some similar stuff on our resume as far as, you know, being a skater, a contest announcer, a podcaster. You were, were once, spirits, Scotty. You were, you were, you were once a pizza guy. I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so uh, dude, what happened to the Tim O'Connor podcast, man? I enjoyed it. It was like one of the only, like, I don't really listen to a whole bunch of, uh, podcasts and stuff i was listening to yours i listened to chris jericho who is a pro uh pro wrestler oh i know who he is yeah, oh, the yeah. Audience. well i know this because i've shared hotel rooms with you constantly so there's so, no yeah i listen I to glean a little bit of information uh from sharing yeah, all those rooms with you yeah dude uh you know i just i try to do it. it's a lot of work and like if you're editing it up yourself and everything it's it's a lot of work. Being in New Jersey doesn't make it any easier. Um, there's certain places that you could live that would make it a little bit easier to do. Yeah. Uh, and, and then chasing down skaters and stuff. I think we were talking before we were recording. Uh, it can be a pain in the ass. Skaters are flakes. You know, skaters that have uh, made it to where skating is their job. Uh, you know, not their fault. I did the same thing probably to other interviewers and stuff. Don't value time as yeah. much and are going to be hard to pin down. So after you get to a certain point where you're beyond interviewing just your boys and your friends and you're trying to just get random people and maybe like the who's who and skateboarding at the time, it, it can get hard, man. And, uh, you know, if it's, if you're making good money from it, maybe, you, you know, you make the, judgment at the time if it's worth it or not uh i don't know i guess maybe my heart wasn't in it enough to just chase people down constantly. okay uh, yeah. so were, were you like recording with people live like you would meet up with them and record or were you doing like remote calls like we're doing like I did, I did both i did both certain ones will work over the phone or you know or uh you know via like a zoom chat that we're doing right now but then certain ones are just better in person. Yeah. Like certain people, it depends on the person's personality. You, you uh, I don't know if you've gotten to this level yet. Maybe you start to figure out. I started learning how to interview people better in a, in a relatively short amount of time that you, you start knowing certain personalities that you can engage them more if you're in person and you can kind of get them a little more comfortable. Because it's a weird thing to do. Not everybody is comfortable which is opening up and talking constantly. Yeah. And, well, uh, and I mean, you, you got the golden goose of uh, podcast guests with Gons. Yeah. Yeah. He was great. And uh, I had just mentioned that he was easy. He was easy to do actually. He was easy to um, schedule a, a time to do it with. And he was a person that I would have had to do it in person with for sure. He's like the perfect example of that just because he's, yeah. he's, uh, he's not somebody that's going to sit still on the phone for an hour or longer. So I went to his house in New York in the city and, and sat with him. He was just hooking up a board. I knew I couldn't have him like a mic on him. He was just moving around the room and everything like that. And uh, 
So I knew that. I was like, there's no way we can do it that way. I'll just go meet up with him. And you know, yeah, it was great. And he was awesome, man. He was super candid, was willing to talk about anything. And, you know, with everybody that I interview, uh, I, I was like, hey, you get the last call. Like, I'll send you what I edited up and you can take out anything. If there's anything you're questioning, we'll just take it out. I'm like, I'm not trying to have a gotcha moment. Exactly, and, exactly. And somebody's life. Uh, because we were talking constantly and maybe something slipped out that you might not want. To yeah. Be- and I tell I tell every guest that I tell every guest that before we start recording, usually I knew you, you don't mince words and you don't care when you say shit, you, you stand behind it. Yeah. Well, I think I'd worry about you, but I usually tell the guests like, Hey, if you, if, if you say something and you don't like the way it came out or you don't, you don't like the way it sounded, man, just let me know. Like we'll, we'll, it's an important safety net to have in play. Like it is a yeah. very important safety net because just talking constantly, you, if you don't speak for a living or if you're not, again, if you're not comfortable with it, I don't know, you may just fill dead air with something you didn't mean to say or, you, you, or, or, or again, you're just comfortable. You're not thinking a ton of people are going to hear this or you don't think about the aspect that this is on permanent record. People could chime in whenever and uh and do with it what they will like it, it's it's really important to have that safety net there you know and uh, yeah. and not basically prey upon people to to say something stupid and go boom gotcha and just you know for your own benefit yeah and i'm not trying to run that type of program i want like people to be psyched to come on here and not have to fear for that so yeah no no and i think that's where you get if people feel comfortable that's when you'll get the best interview out of them There's exactly uh something where they open up and they're more themselves they're not guarded and uh you know uh yeah so it's a much better better atmosphere to to do it that way all right and so uh you you briefly worked at your mother-in-law's pizza place i mentioned that was on on both of our resumes i did yeah she had a pizza place out in scottsdale arizona and we would go out there all the time in a cold weather in New Jersey, go out to Arizona, stay with her and then help her out at her pizza place. I'd like deliver pizzas, help work the register and stuff like that. And that was like the first kind of real job I basically ever had, uh, you know, cause I, I got sponsored at a young age and never had to work a standard job, uh, luckily. Um, but uh, yeah, it was delivering pizzas. The first pizza I ever delivered for her out there, I was delivering to a, um, to a, what do you call it? A bachelorette party at a hotel room. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, the girl's like, woo, you take, take it off. They're like trying to get me to party with them and everything. I was like, oh shit, like I can't, I know I gotta go. Like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, wanna stay, wanna stay. Oh God, gotta go, gotta go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was the first the time I delivered day. anything. I was like, whoa, this is insane. Yes. Uh, but yeah. So, did you ever get recognized on a delivery? Not on a delivery, but I got recognized when I was working the register. Okay. That, yeah, because I imagine uh, that would be pretty crazy to just walk into a random, your local neighborhood pizza place and you're a young skater and Tim Yeah, because most of the time I was doing it, I was still, you know, in my pro years of skating. And yeah. Stuff, so still uh, probably, you know, a little more recognizable then than I am now. <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah. So... It happened a couple of times, not a ton, but it did happen a couple of times. And uh, do you think you get recognized more from like skaters that see you on the street or like people that recognize you from MTV? Cause I, w- I was with you one time 
when somebody recognized you from MTV and they, and they kind of went a little like they were psyched. There was a, a big period where people would recognize me from MTV, but uh, people recognize me from skating. It depends on the year. Uh, so certain times it'd be skating and, and only skating. But then at, at a certain point, it became this tr trans world trick tip video where more people would recognize me from that. And, and then, and also this like slam video where I, I hosted a, uh, like a 411 slam video and more people recognized me from that than like any of my video parts or anything. People would come up and, and ask me about that. And, uh, yeah, so it depends on the year, but, um, if people usually recognize me from that, but nowadays, you, you know, what people recognize me the most from is the the Woodward mono a mono thing. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I get more people coming up to me, and I know that's what they're going to say. I'm like, they're going to say the Woodward mono a mono, and then yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yep. It's a popular YouTube channel. I guess so. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, we're going to wrap things up. I got a few like just fun fun questions for you. Uh, first one: Who is your favorite pro wrestler of all time? Favorite pro wrestler? Um, oh my God, the guy that got caught in the Me Too. Uh, uh, oh fuck, what, what's his name? John Blank. Uh, Enzo Amore. Yeah, yeah, Enzo Amore. Enzo Amore. Yeah. Oh my God. How you he doing? Got Me Too, and he's out of there, right? He never came yeah. back. He never came back, man. Ah, uh, I like it. Well, but but yeah. his problem, like, what the allegations wasn't the problem. He, he got caught up because he tried to hide it from WWE and like uh, deal with okay. it. Like, he tried to, like, deal with it independently when, uh, in reality, if he had just gone to WWE, like, WWE has lawyers that will, you know. Oh, uh, really? No, oh, wow. Like, you know, the, like, represent, at least represent him in court and stuff. Sure, so yeah, yeah. Or, like, give him the best, best advice of how to go about it. Yeah, so he tried to, like, keep it under wraps and, like, deal with it himself and just make it go away himself. So, like, when WWE found out about it, it was already, like, you know, a month in. So yeah, oh, that's like, that guy was entertaining, man. He was funny. Yeah, yeah. He was like, he wasn't the greatest wrestler, but man, he could talk and like, like entertaining as hell. So like, that's what like half of wrestling is the entertainment factor. So yeah, he, he was, was really good. good. He was good. And then so another favorite. Who's your favorite member of the Wu Tang Clan? Wu Tang. Oh, an old dirty bastard. Okay, all right. I just, I just liked thought, how berserk that motherfucker was and that he, like, somehow he would record an album. I'm like, what, what the fuck? Is he as crazy as he seems, you know? like Yeah, yeah. Like, I loved that old MTV clip where uh, he took the limousine to the, well, to, like, the, the check cashing place to cash yeah, the welfare pick check. Yeah, up his welfare check. Yes. Yeah. It was incredible. Like, oh, man. And, uh, yeah, I'd completely forgotten that uh, – Hulu made that like uh, docu series about uh, the formation of the Wu Tang Clan. I never saw it. And I, dude, I finally watched it like a month ago. And dude, it's, it's on really Hulu. Good. Yeah, on Hulu. Okay, I have Hulu, so I'll yeah, and it's like it's like ten episodes on the on like ten twelve episodes. I'll put it on the on the queue. And it's just like about like those dudes and uh, like how Ghostface and Raekwon originally had super like gang beef. And, uh, oh, really? like, they all had to, like, squash a lot of beefs and, like, do a lot of shit to become the Wu-Tang Clan. It was pretty, it was pretty cool. I enjoyed Gang. it. Gangs. Cool. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking idiot. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, all right, man. Uh, Tim, I love you. I appreciate your time. Uh, buddy, love you, dude. Miss you. Dude, the, the, uh, like seriously we're like i feel like we're super good friends but i was always a fucking fan um oh thanks man i appreciate it like we are good friends if you need that <laughs> confirmation okay yes i did thank you <laughs> I, i'm gonna put i'm gonna add that on my resume <laughs> I'm, and and that adds to my status as uh like pro adjacent there you go perfect so like i was i was fingertips away from i've held hands with greatness you have you have you are you are uh, <laughs> pro adjacent. <laughs> but uh, dude, Tim, thank you so much. Uh, get through this quarantine. Get through the COVID. Tell your family I said hello. Happy birthday to your son. I saw on Instagram that he just turned six. Oh, Happy man. birthday, oh, Fox. Look at you. Uh, fucking heart of gold over there, buddy. Hey man, I, I I try to follow. I had to I had to do some some research to uh, figure out the spelling of your wife's name for the invitation. Uh, you nailed it you nailed it i was digging but uh dude have a great night man uh dude i hope to see you somewhere soon around the world or even if we start driving i'll start driving north you can start driving south and i'll meet you somewhere in the middle dude I yeah. yeah i may end up down there if, if things clear up sooner rather than later maybe i end up coming to florida to go visit my dad and go see you guys oh yeah dude come see your dad I, he lives in orlando yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a, it's all one-stop shopping for me for the most part. All right, let's get it, man. Thanks for talking. All right, Scotty. Anytime, bud. All right, that's going to wrap things up right there for the Border Podcast with Scotty the Body. And that was Tim O'Connor. Thanks, Tim. Have a good night.